Last week started this rise up. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. He's talking to this, this young man. Let me, let me stop for a minute. When I say young man, how many of you know how old Joshua was during this time? He was in his mid-80s, okay? <laughs> but, but Moses was like 120. So he was, he was a young dude, all right? And, and so for some of you that say, I'm, I'm too old to be used by God. He was, he was like 87, all right, doing all this stuff. So I think you're all right, all right? So he, he was this, this young guy, but he kind of, Joshua and Caleb, because they obeyed, God was not put in that generation That was to be left to die in the wilderness because they rejected God. They didn't believe God. And I was talking about this generational gap that we have, okay? How how there was this generation, they they walked through the plagues. They saw the manna. They they experienced the Red Sea. They experienced the waters being made sweet, all this other stuff. And then then after a while, when they got to the end of it, God said, the only ones that are going to make it in are the ones 20 years old and younger. So these are all the kids, the teenagers, all right, all right so, so you have that aspect of it, so that, that, that is just a faint memory from their childhood. Then you have 40 years in the wilderness, none of them knew the ones that were born, and they didn't know all those things, those were stories. And I talked about the generation, you know, Z that we have coming up, and the generation X that's before us, and the middle is the uh, millennials, and, and this generation that I'm talking about is a, gr- a really close parallel to what's going on in the Bible. And in the middle of that generation, God says, hey, this is a group that really doesn't know all this stuff. It's, it's stories and history and pass on this, and, and it's, they've never experienced it. And God said to Joshua, I want you to get up. Rise up. Rise up. Get up. I need you to lead. And I can't, I can't put that in. I'm not trying to re-preach last Sunday's message. To be honest, I don't know if I remember what I preached last Sunday. <laughs> I was not feeling good, and I was sick that week, and I thought I was doing good, and I was two days from being better and things like that. And then I got up here, and to be honest, I was a little... My head was spinning and, and everything, and I walked off. I said, Dave, I don't even know what I just said. So anyways, I apologize if I insulted you or talked about your mom or something last week. <laughs> I wasn't feeling, I feel much better today. So praise, praise the God. I got eyes. I got two eyes. I can see. I've been on glasses, you guys know. I got LASIK eye surgery on Thursday. I can, I can see without the assistance of the eyewear, so it's, it's a blessing there. But I, I, I want you guys to just, just get this point, Okay. That in the middle of that generation, God rose up and said, thank God for Moses. Thank God for every stone that was laid. Thank God for every leadership role that he played. But it's time to rise up. And so many of us in this generation, we're looking back saying, my dad kept me in church. My grandma this and my grandpa that. Praise God. It's your turn now. It is your turn now. It's your turn to keep your family in church. It's your turn to step into the roles of the church. It's your turn to make sure that there's a future. It's your turn. So often we sit there and talk about how grandpa was the glue that held us together. Guess what? First of all, thank God for grandpa, but Jesus is the glue that held it all together. You say, well, what was it with grandpa? Grandpa just stood on Jesus. That's what it was. If you want to make a difference in your generation, you follow Jesus, you stand on Jesus, you make him your glue the way he was for grandpa. But what I'm telling you, if we don't rise up like he said to there, he said, now therefore arise, get up and lead. Rise up was an action. 
Rise up was the fact that you've got to get from where you're at and where you're comfortable and sit there saying, you know, well, I'll let everybody else do it. And God says, get up. Get up. And I'm just, in our generation, if we don't have young people to stand up and say, man, I've been blessed and God is good and I have knowledge and I have experience and I have things that God has been given to me and I'm going to use it for the glory of God, there will be no future. So to every one of us in here, rise up. And in the middle of that, you said, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's why God said two things to him in, in the midst of them. He said, you know what, I'm going to go with you. The way that I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You know what he was saying? He didn't say what I did with Moses, I'll do with you. He said the way that I was with him. Literally meaning the power of God that rested on Moses, God said, I'm going to carry on with you as well. God does not leave us by ourselves. And you look back and say, look what God did. God says, look here, I'll do it again. The way I was there, I'm there. And then he told him two things that he needed to know. He said, he talked about, uh, be strong in the Lord, okay? He said that, be strong and of good courage. The strength that God was about to do of everything that he was going to face from the Jordan River to the, to the Jericho walls was not going to be Joshua going up and karate chopping the walls down. It was going to be God doing it through him. We sit there and say, man, I just can't. You're right, you can't. But God sure can through you. It's the power of his might. It's with the power of what God does through us. And then he said, be of good courage. You know why? Strength is physical. Courage is mental. Because we're going to get to those spots and go, Lord, Lord, I don't know about this, man. I just, I'm I'm, I'm not near the parent that my mom was. And I'm not near the church leader that so-and-so was. And a brain war goes on, okay? And all of a sudden, we're thinking that we can't, we can't. And God's telling him, yes, you can. With me, you can. You know how you can? In the middle of that, he says this. He says that thou shalt meditate there and day and night in the word of God. Let me tell you, your actions, your feelings, your emotions are dictated what you think about. Problem with our generation right now is we're so busy thinking about every meme that's on Facebook Every post and CNN and everything else that goes, and we know more about ESPN than we do about John 3.16. There's an issue there. And if you are not putting your mind on the things of God, you're not realizing, you're you're not feeding your brain to be able to overcome what's going to fight in your brain. Greater is he that is in you, but you better better be growing in the Lord and the power of his might. We're going to have a bunch of sissy generation leaders that are not going to stand up and lead for God if we don't get our brains in the book. We've got to. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying. I I, I guess I just want want to stir up our generation. And I guess for us, if God says, hey, the way that I was there, I'm going to do it again. And I, I, I think as a leader, I want to say, if you did it, then I want you to do it again. I don't want a has-been God and a has-been religion and a past tense working of the Holy Spirit of God. I want it all. I want everything that he's offered. Anyways, that was last week's message. So if I didn't say any of that last week, you got it this week, okay? Because I don't remember. (laughs) It was a rough week. This week. Last week, rise up and lead. This week, rise up and go. Joshua 1, 2, Moses, my servant, dead is dead. Now, therefore, arise. What's the next word? What's the next word? Go. go. It says, rise up and go. Just so you guys know that that's, that's an action word right there. Go over this Jordan. He literally said, hey, face an obstacle that's in your life. Go. 
Thou and all these people, go lead to the land that I give you. You're on a mission. Don't just stay here. You guys know that go is an action word. Go over is combined with this. It literally means carry over, enter, go beyond, go out of the way, go forth. Don't stay where you're at. It literally means don't settle. Oftentimes the children of Israel would settle. We read in the Bible different things where, where, when, where Moses was found before he led the children of Israel out. They found him on the backside of the desert. The Bible describes him that he was, he, he was comfortable. You talk about where we are today, man, we love being comfortable. You know what I'm saying? I get, I get in that zone, and, and I, I, don't want, I don't want to stir up the economy. I don't want to stir up my finances. I don't want to stir up my schedule. Man, I'm in the zone. I'm comfortable. God has a way of when we get comfortable. And let me remind you, do you know where they're at during this time when God says arise and go? They're in the wilderness. You want know the wilderness, the desert that they wandered in for 40 years? It's dead it's unproductive. It's unfruitful. It's dry. It's, it's, it, nobody wants that. You know what I'm saying? Hey, well, let's go on vacation. Where are we going to go? To the desert. Uh, nobody wants that. Yeah, you know, I, I want something that's alive and real. Let me tell you, part of the reason that we're losing this generation is, you know, that we, we want to invite them into our world. What is it? It's dead and dry. And, blah, blah, blah. and God says, get out of that. I want you to rise and go forth. I want you to rise and get out of that. Man, this is what God's called us to. You say, well, that was Old Testament. You're reading into it. Buckle up for a minute. Let me read you some verses, okay? You tell me if this applies to us. Mark 16, 50, and he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Philippians 3, 14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. 1 Timothy 6, 6, 12, fight the good fight. John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that has sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Revelation 3, 19, be zealous therefore and repent. Let me tell you what God's called us to do. Not sit, not settle, not be apathetic, not be passive. God's called us to rise up and go as a church. God's called you to rise up and go as a Christian. God's called you to rise up, move forward. You've got a mission in front of you. The promised land is coming. God is returning. We're to seek and to save that which is lost. He said, be zealous. You know what that means? Be active, be pursuing, be passionate. For us to have the mindset and the attitude and you have this, God looks down at us and we're sitting there like this, going, well, I don't want to get up and I don't want to do anything and somebody else will do it. It's not okay with God. And by the way, if we have that attitude, God's not going to bless us and God's not going to use us. If you go before that, be zealous in Revelation 3.19. If you back up just a little bit, you know what you find? You find the word lukewarm. And what God said about lukewarm, of those that just sit and don't want to do anything, those that neither cold nor hot, he says to that generation, he says to that church, he says to that mom or dad, I'll spew you out of my mouth. It doesn't mean that God rejects you as a Christian. God says that you make me disgusted. Disgusted. Increase with goods and of need of nothing. You're spoiled rotten. I don't want to be a spoiled rotten Christian. You say, what, what, where are you going with this? We're called to do something. You know one of the number one Googled questions in the globe, in the world is? Do you know what it is? Do you guys know this? What is the reason for life? Or why am I here? The number one asked question in all the world. 
Do any of you know why you're here? Uh, let me, I'll, I'll try that again. Uh, Christians, believers, saints of God, called out anointed ones, ambassadors for Jesus Christ, light in the darkness. Do Does anybody here know why you're here? Yes! I know! I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I've called. I've got the instruction manual. Every day has purpose. My life has purpose. My life has vision. I'm going somewhere. I, I, I have a reason to live. I have a reason to be here. Every single day of my life has purpose. Yeah, I'm going to go. None of this is my message yet. We're getting there. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So you, you know why we're doing a drama? You know why we're doing all this? Because we have a mission. And I'm going to be zealous. I'm going to go all out. And I'm not going to hold back. And the reason why we're building big city. And we've got drywall dust all through the halls. You know why? Because we're on a mission. We've been blessed. And we're going to do it. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to do the work that he sent me to here, here to do. That's what we're here to do. Then we get all excited. All right, this is us. This, can we just keep it real this morning? Because I tell you, we can preach a message like that all day long. And get so fired up. And it's like, man, Lord, I'm on a mission. I'm running the race. I'm fighting the fight. You know, I'm doing all these things. And that's how we are until something happens. Bam, there it is. The Jordan River. And you're like, oh, all right, God's good. God's great. But uh, this ain't going to work. It just, I, I'm getting out of order, Richard, if you can help me out with this. All right. Let me put it like this is the actual video of the high tides of the Jordan River that they were standing, all right? This is a video of it, all right? So this is 28 seconds for you to see what it was actually like. They come to the edge, and this is what they saw. Did I? I'm... This river, in different spots, is different widths. It wasn't a brook. The Bible talks about that the brim of it, the edges of this were, were overflowed during this time. Okay, the Bible describes it. Uh, he said, you're going to go over this Jordan. He, he said, this is real life. In, in, in uh, Joshua 3.15, if you jump over there, Joshua 3.15, for the Jordan overfloweth all its banks all the time of harvest. That, that's, that's what they're facing. That's where they're at. Because I'll tell you, it's not a matter of us not having a mission and go forward and we have Jesus and I can overcome anything. The problem is that every single one of us in our lives come up to an obstacle that we say, well, God must have shut the door. Oh, well. Economy's bad. God doesn't want us to step out on faith. God doesn't want us to move. God doesn't want us to go. And we have in our minds, there's no way of doing it because I have an obstacle that's way too big to handle. And let me tell you, by the time they got to that obstacle, God literally brought them to the time of the season that it was overflowing. It was the worst of the worst of the worst. God does not bring us anywhere to fail. And the Bible has already emphatically said that when it said, he said, I will not fail you. He said that to Joshua, I will not fail you. And he brought him there. So today I'm talking about rise up and go. But actually the thrust of my message that I want to deliver to you guys today is how to overcome obstacles. Because it's not a matter of us not knowing that we have to go. It's not a matter of the, the fact that there's not a vision and a purpose and things like that. We know to go conquer the Jerichos. We know to do all these things, but we struggle with it. This is the part that we, that we get messed up on. So how do, how do you move forward? How do you overcome obstacles? Number one, you get ready. Get ready. Joshua 1.10. Let's back up a little bit. 
Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals. For within three days you shall pass over Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord your God uh, giveth you to possess it. Man, I'd love to be this guy that finally, hey guys, this is it. He's all worked up. He's excited. Gather your family, pack up your tent, shut things down. It's time to go forward. Man, that's a place of zeal and passion. Man, I, I love this. It's, it's a matter of, man, God's going to fight for us. It's time to move forward. And we ask God to do things today. And I'll be honest, the reason that I think that we never even get to the point of seeing the walls of Jericho fall in our lives, whatever that is, is we never start off getting our hearts ready. Now, I'm going to show you in chapter 3, this is what he said about preparing your hearts. He said, when he said, get ready, prepare your hearts and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. And guys, I don't want you skipping over this. We sit there and we try to cross the Jordans and we, we end up drowning, falling, failing, overcoming debt and problems and issues. And we're thinking, why is it like that? God says, oh, wait, wait a minute. I told you to stop. Three days, God said, I just want you to work on you. You guys understand that before God does something big out there, he's got to do something big in here. I'm going to show you something. So God said in this illustration of sanctify, he uses the illustration of us being a vessel. Okay, this is every single one of us. Let me explain to you what we find out in the wilderness of all uh, of them uh, filled up with themselves. You're going to find a, a group of people that was just like us. He said sanctify. He said means clean, dedicate, defy, hollow out, prepare, purify. That's what, that's what he said. Sanctify yourself. Put it like this, remove the junk. I'm going to ask you guys to be really serious. How often do we look at doing something right there, and all of a sudden our minds automatically, whether it's a drama, reaching people, making a difference, seeing revival in America, our minds automatically go to the negative. How many of you are honest enough this morning to say that I know what that's like, I have a tendency to be negative? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. And if if you're next to somebody that's lying, you raise your hand and poke at them, okay? You say, I know that. That's, that's, a, that's a thing in all of us. You know how often God rebuked the children of Israel because they were whiners and complainers? Or because they sinned and they rebelled against God? We sit there and say, man, I want to see God do something great in our eyes. And God says, or, or great in our city. I, I want to see, let, let me just put it in this. Just, okay, here we're staring at the stage and lights and all this. Man, let me tell you, I want to, I want to prepare ourselves to see God do something big. I want, I want to see God fill the seats, revival to take place, people to get their hearts right, people to get saved. Do you guys believe that God can do that? Let me tell you what it's going to take right now. It's a matter of before we ever get to that point, God says, sanctify yourself. Do you know what that means? Hollow yourself out or make yourself holy. Literally meaning in our lives, God looks down in your life and says, I'm never going to be able to do what I want to do with that life being the way that it is. So here's what we do. Three days. They're going through, hey, get ready, guys. God said to sanctify yourself, literally mean examine your life and get the junk out. So some of us right now, before we ever pray and say, God, save a soul or change something, God looks out on us and says, you know that bad attitude that you have? You know, the fact that every time they make that announcement, who's got time for that? And they ruin our stage and I got so-and-so, they'll never come. God said, get that out of your life. Sanctify it, clean yourselves up. Let me tell you, in our church right here, we're going to pray for revival. If there's sin in our church and you're harboring bitterness and you're aggravated at everybody and there's no joy of the Lord, God says, you better clean your junk out. Get it out. 
Man, that's uncomfortable, but we sit there and say, man, I'm drowning in debt. God says, maybe you should have sanctified yourself before you ever crossed over. Starts right here. We're such a negative, bitter, whining generation, and God says, I can't work that way. If God's going to fill himself and fill you with him, you've got to start with you. You. I tell you, we're, we're, we're a messed up generation. We, can, we cannot be hooked on negativity and, 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 and watching garbage on the TV and, and entertained by all the junk of this world and expect God, God, do something miraculous in the world. God says, I don't work that way. I need a generation that's going to stand up and sanctify themselves. And we don't even like hearing that. You know, you know how uncomfortable it is to hear a pastor sit there and talk about how we ought to repent and get our lives right? Let me tell you, without repenting and getting our lives right, there is no power of God. And he said this. He not only was talking about what he wanted to do and prepare their hearts, but he said anticipate for God to do something big. Notice the same verse right here in Joshua 3, 5. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. And then he stopped and said this. For tomorrow, listen to this. For tomorrow, I'm going to tell you what's coming. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. You know what the word wonders Talking about the anticipation of God's greatness. What, what, what they're talking about, it, it literally means that God's going to do things that are too difficult for you to do. That's what he said. I'm, I'm, let me read it. Great, difficult, wonderful to accomplish the hard, to accomplish the hidden, to accomplish the things that are too high. This is straight from the Greek, the, the, the definition. To, to, to do things that are wonderful. This is literally what it is. If you don't believe that God can do wonderful things, God is not going to do wonderful things in your life. To have the idea that God is able, and he was literally saying, hey, you better be ready. I'm going to come in anticipating. I believe that my God is able. If you don't believe God is able, you're not anticipating anything. And man, we have a generation that we're so apathetic, we don't believe that God will. God, why would God show up to do something great when we don't even believe he will do it? He's promising in the midst of this. He said, I'll, I'll show up in the middle of that. I'll, I'll, I want to do great things. God does great wonders when we face great obstacles. So how many of you right now in your life, you're facing a horrible obstacle? I mean, whatever it is in the application goes to every single one of us. Man, you're facing something that is either financial or relationships or issues or children or jobs or location or whatever. And you have the mindset that God can't. Literally, God said you better prepare because God's about to do something big. So here's me. Um, was it Friday night? Yeah, Friday night. Um, the, the Olympics comes on. And uh, they made an announcement at the beginning. It was Katie Couric and them that were standing in there, and they were talking about, tonight you're going to see some things you've never seen before. And they're, they're saying, we're, you're going to see some pageantry. You're going to see lighting effects. You're going to see music. You're going to see all these other things that you've never seen. You know, they're literally breaking history and something. And you know what? That, that opening ceremony was like two, two and a half hours long, and I could not take my eyes off of it because I didn't want to miss out on whatever they were about to do. So here I am watching this, just I'm so soaking this up of what they're doing, and they're coming in with these mechanical things and stuff like this. All right, here it is. At the end of it, I don't know how many of you guys watched it, they flew 1,200 drones synchronized with computers up into the air to the top of the mountain. And the drones formed with lights a giant, like, 
12-story tall guy simulated flying down the side of the mountain, all with drones computerized. Now, is anybody else just like, wow, that's stinking cool? And I am sitting there glued to this TV going, that is awesome. And, and I mean, some of you are like, that's no big deal. And then at the end of it, all the drones flew up in the air and they formed the Olympic circle above the stadium, above them, in there. And right before them, they are seeing and experiencing something that they've never saw before. Let me tell you, drones has nothing on what God is able to do. But the idea is that God's already projected it. Can I tell you, as a pastor, as a friend, as, as a fellow Christian, to come to you guys and say, God's already promised. He's already promised. He said, I'm going to go before you. And I want you to prepare your hearts. I want you to sanctify yourself. I want you to get yourself right. And by the way, you do what I tell you to do, and tomorrow I'm going to do something big. Do you know what the attitude should be every time we come into the drama or getting ready for big city or whatever? It should be like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. And they're like, what are you so excited about? What are you, you don't even know what God's going to do, but I know it's going to be awesome because that's how my God works. But instead, we've got this generation. No matter how are you today, I'm here. I'm just making it, just trying to get through. Who wants to be part of that? Then we wonder why millennials want nothing to do with God. Yeah, they want, they want a piece of that action right there. Yeah, look, I'm just making it, just trying to get through, just another day. A bunch of whiners. So here he's told them, get ready. Man, I'm taking too long on this. Are you ready? Get ready. The next thing that God told them to do is follow God. Now, I, I know this is so cliche, but I'm going to show you guys something through these next points that is so powerful. Because I'm going to be honest, for years and years, and don't, don't get mad at me and judge me for this, but I have told this story wrong. I'd be willing to bet that a lot of you guys have told this story wrong. You stop and you go into the story and you actually see what God did. It's miraculous of how God worked in the middle of this. Joshua 3.3, 3, and they commanded the people saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then shall you re- remove from your place and go after it. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, we've studied this and things like that. That represented the presence of God with them. Now, we have the Holy Spirit. But then they had a tangible object that represented the presence of God going before them. And it was usually in the middle of the camp. And God, God said, I'll go before you. So literally, God said, when you see me move, you go after it. You don't have to fear. Let me tell you, whoever you're at, whoever you are, you don't have to fear. If God tells you to go somewhere or do something, it's going to be okay. All right, and you just you say, man, I got into a mess or I got in over my head. Man, God loves it when you follow him and you get in over your head. Because that's when you experience the power of his might. That's when you experience his courage. That's when you experience miraculous, wonderful things that he does, not you. God goes before us. So what's, what's about to happen? I don't know, but God's already there. Verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits of measure, long space, like 3,000 feet. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way which ye must go. Literally saying, you're not going to know where to go or what to do. Yeah, guys, that's scary for us. A lot of times, if it's not laid out in front of us, and I, know, and I don't know exactly what's going to happen, I'm not going to do it. You know, realize how much God tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. So many times in my life, I've almost missed out on this. Last year was one of those opportunities. 
I had it in a burden in my heart to take my family on a mission trip to the Philippines. And then I came back and I was so zealous and I told Jen, I said, next year I want to take our entire family on a mission trip to the Philippines. And I was all good to go on it. I was so excited until we started getting the plane ticket costs and everything else started adding up. And I went to my wife and I said, it's not going to happen. There's just no way. You know what happens oftentimes is we lose sight of who's in control. That wasn't my burden. That was God's burden that he placed on my heart. And the thing is, I have to understand, if God led me to that point, God was going to take over and handle it. You guys know that God did take over and God handled it. It was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. And God blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. But I would have missed out on it if I wasn't following the leading of God. God cannot fail. So he tells them to head out of there and to follow God. Now here they are going after this. The problem is we don't know how God's going to work. Do you realize that if we don't learn to trust God when God leads us to give, you just, man, I've got this burden to step out and start tithing or start giving the missions or whatever. You say, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. We run the calculators rather than running to God. Can I tell you, that's not faith when you have to figure it out yourself. That's not how God works. God literally said, as I lead, you follow and you just have to trust me. God might be working in obstacles differently than he has in the past. And God's going to warn them in this, that you may know which way you must go. Listen to the rest of this. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. Literally meaning, you have never been here before. Can I tell everybody here, please get this in your mind. God's going to work differently maybe in this generation than he did the last generation. And that makes us uncomfortable. Because I like having it all figured out. You know, what, you know what Moses did? Moses took the rod and he walked over to the water and he held out his rod and the water split. So you know what they're all doing? In the back of their minds, said, tell me that story about the Red Sea. And so, man, Joshua is probably going to walk up to the edge of the water and he's going to take his staff and he's going to hold it. I know, I know how this goes. I know how God works. I'll tell you, this is what God, and, and, and then the water's going to split. We're just going to walk right over. Oh, man, I can't wait. And God said, by the way, don't look for me to work now, uh, now the way that I did then. I don't know what God's going to do, but I tell you, God, has, God works in mysterious ways. His wonders should perform. It's not about you. It's not about you figuring out. God said, you better keep your eyes on me because I'm going to do something I've never done before. And if you don't follow me, you're going to miss out on it because I know what I'm doing. God knows what he's doing. God might be working differently in this obstacle, but he is going to work. Life doesn't always make sense. The one guarantee that I can give you is to expect that God's not going to work the way you think he should work. That's the one guarantee that I can give you. Verse 3. And they commanded the people, saying, When you shall see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you should remove from your place and go after it. Now watch this. The third point here is trusting God. Again, another one of those things that we sit there and say, Man, I know that. But not in this way. We say those words so much. Remember God said, I cannot fail you. I will not fail you. But here it is. Trusting God means waiting on God. Uh, Richard, can you play that video again? But maybe not with the sound this time. And I, 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 That's not the point. Three days. Three days with your babies. Three days with your kids. On the edge of this, and depending on where they were, it was wider than this. It was depending on the size of the river, where it was that God crossed them over. So you can imagine standing there. Now the thing is, God doesn't work in your timing. God brought them there at the peak of the season. God brought them there and stood them for three days. It wasn't just a matter of going over. Sometimes waiting on God really, really, really stinks. 
Do you understand that? Sometimes God brings you to an obstacle and then just sticks you there. As a matter of fact, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, if you, if you read, and you guys know the story of what happens, God does not split open the water until the priests are in the water. Okay, let, let me read this for you. You've got to get the understanding of this because this has so much application to it. So, verse 15, And as they bare the ark and were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bare the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Okay, they, they were already in it. Here, here's, here's how God works. God literally was saying, I want you to, I want you to get messy. I, I don't like that, okay? I, I, I want God just to split it over and for me not to get it, have to get my feet wet. That's not how God works all the time. But man, that's somehow, that, that we, we want God to do it. God, just make it work out, Lord. Make it not, I mean, not have to get messy with this situation. That's not how God works. So here I'm, and I know I've told this story till I'm blue in the face, but it's, it's, it's one of the most impactful things that I've ever experienced in my life. I just had my surgery for my eyes, but a lot of you remember I was supposed to have had this surgery eight years ago. I was signed up, went through the whole thing, wore the glasses, went through the medication, everything that I was supposed to do. The next morning was Friday. I was going in for my surgery. Thursday night, I get a phone call that my sister was almost to the point of death. They were calling in the family. She was in her mid-20s. She was going to die. I'll tell you, I popped in my contacts, canceled my surgery, drove like a madman down to Alabama. And the thing was, the whole time I am praying, 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 God fix this, God fix this, God fix this. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was sick. I was nauseous. I was scared to death. I did not know. It's amazing how sometimes when God's working, God says, we're standing over there and we're saying, God fix it. And God says, come closer. Lord, this is messy. I says, come closer. Lord, I, I, can't you just move it out of the way? God says, come closer. God sticks us in it. God literally would make you stand in it. The whole time I'm going down there, my mom literally said, Tony, they just came out and said that she could go any minute. And I remember telling my mom, can you at least put the phone up to her ears so I can tell her I love her before she dies? It's hard. And you just, just so you know, she tried to kill herself. She, she took three bottles of Tylenol PM because she went through some bad relationships and she was miserable in life and she hid it from everybody and she was miserable. Here's the whole thing. I didn't even realize this. God, way over here, was already working in a way that I could not see, but I was not going to learn how powerful God was until I experienced the obstacle. And so often in life, we just want God to remove the obstacle like he did with the Red Sea, but God says, no, this generation, you're not understanding. You're not understanding that it's faith. Sometimes God's not going to fix your situation until you're halfway through it. God's not going to, you know, we're just sitting there saying, Lord, I, I need you to pay my bills, and I'm going to ask mom and dad, tell mom and dad, I need mom and dad, I need mom and dad. Mom and dad say, no, I'm not doing it this time. And you're like, what? Lord, I'm in the middle of this. Lord, I'm stuck. I need that scholarship. I need that raise. I need that money. I need that healing. I need that. And you're up to your elbows in it. God does not fail you. As a matter of fact, when they were doing the work of faith, God was already upstream. God was already working in ways that you could not imagine. If you guys, for the sake of time, let, let me go through this. So in the middle of this, I'm going to tell you guys, don't lose faith in the middle of it. And by the way, my sister came out of there miraculously. 
Three months, she flatlined twice. Three months being open in ICU. Three months of going in and out of surgery. But at the end of that, my, my sister Day is married, serving God in her church, has an incredible husband and three beautiful baby girls. That's how God works. Not trying to be graphic or gross or whatever, but let me tell you, my sister was in that room, staggered into my dad's bedroom to take his pills. She was so desperate to take her life that she thought, man, if I could just take whatever else to seal the deal, I want to die. The problem is she took pills that were actually an antidote to what she was doing. She had no idea, but let me tell you, my God did. And through the course of that, they're looking at her system saying, she's got this, but she has this. And I don't understand how this got into her system because this is saving her life. And later she said, I took that thinking that would seal the deal and said, no, that's what saved your life. You understand God was working in the middle of situations, in the middle of your obstacle. But I'll tell you, through the fact that I was standing in the middle of that praying to God, there's a lot different standing there saying, my God is able than being up to your elbows and then saying, God, where are you? God said, I'll tell you where I'm at. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm already working. I had your sister take those pills. I'm already gone before you. I already have it worked out. You're not going to get it, Tony, but I've got your back. So here's how this worked. They stepped into the water, and the Bible describes that the Bible, the water heaped up, okay? And I I don't have the verses in front of me. Actually, I'm going to give you the guys the verses. You guys hold on. We're going to go late, and it's okay. Verse 16, and the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far from the city of Adam. Okay, so here's how it is. And we tell the story all the time that the waters parted. The waters didn't part. It was a river. So literally it means they were flowing down. So God literally, somewhere up near the city of Adam, God started pulling the waters back there. So here they're standing in the water thinking God's doing nothing. God's upstream working, holding back the water to eventually it just trickled out. And all of a sudden they went, where'd the water go? God is working when you can't see God working. You remember that. So here's what God does. We have the attitude and we tell people all the time that they took the Ark of the Covenant and the children of Israel followed the Ark of Covenant to the other side of the water. That is not what happened. We tell the story wrong. Here's what happened. Going back to the verses, getting back into Scripture. This is what God did. Here they are. First of all, verse 16. The waters were heaping up. Downriver, they're heaping up. So I don't know if they could see it or not, but I know somewhere down the road they were heaping up. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on, the, on dry ground, listening, in the midst of the Jordan. Did you hear me? In the midst of the Jordan. Stood firm in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until the people were passed over Jordan. Here's the children of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant goes down into the midst of it and stands there. And the children of Israel, all of a sudden, step into that obstacle. And God begins to make a way. And you're in the middle of it. I don't know if they could see it or not. Because the Bible doesn't say, but the Bible does describe that the water was heaped up. Did you read that? The Bible was, the water was heaped As you stop a river, it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. But I can tell you, it was a testimony. Everybody around them knew what was going on or, or had testimony. Something's funky happening with the Jordan River. And they get down there and they can see that water possibly wherever it is or hear it heaping up. You know what they find in the middle of the Jordan River? The presence of God. 
Because there's the Ark of the Covenant standing firm in the midst of the Jordan. I'm going to tell you where you're going to find God in the midst of your obstacle. He's going to be smack in the middle of it. Our God doesn't lead us to fail. He doesn't lead us to be alone. And he doesn't leave us in the middle of it. He stands firm. You can imagine the presence of that, and the presence of my obstacle, and the presence of that situation. And God's sitting there saying to me and my sister's health, Tony, you keep going. I've got this. You realize, do you have that visual in your mind of what God does? Don't doubt God. Trusting God literally means you trust him, not at the beginning, but when you're standing in the middle of it, when you're up to your, your knees inside the situation, when you're moving forward and you're thinking it's going to come down on top of me. God literally in the middle of that saying, I've got this. I've got this. It's not about you. Trusting God, last thing, is knowing that God always has a plan and a purpose. God always has a plan and a purpose. Now, here's, here's the amazing thing. Forty years, forty years before this, they go send out, you guys know the story, ten were bad, two were good. Okay, you guys know the story. They went into there to check out the land. Now, I'm going to ask you the question. Why didn't they cross over the Jordan River the first time? We don't hear of any story. The first time they walked in there, was the Jordan River not there? No, that's not what happened. You see, the first time when they went in, God took them another way. I want you guys to see this. This is so important. Okay, so here's the map. So here's the thing. They left Egypt. They go down here. They dip here. They go up here. And then they dip up here into Canaan. Okay, that's we know the story of Canaan land. All right? The Jordan River is up here. When God brought them in, he then brings them back down here. Bring up the next map. God brings them back down here around to the other side. They bring them up here. Next map. Closer up. This is where they're at now. This is where they were before, okay? He brings them up here, sees the land, brings them back down. God says, all right, it's time to go in. God brings them up, brings them up, and brings them right to Jericho on the other side of that. God set them up. There was another way. God literally said, "Uh uh-uh. Don't bring them that way. Bring them around. Lord, this isn't going to make sense. Bring them around. God, you don't understand the Jordan River. Bring them around. Smack to the obstacle. Do you understand? You're never going to see how great our God is until you realize that there's greater obstacles than you can handle and God shows up in the middle of them. Right now, you can be set up by God. Some of you are facing obstacles in your life and you're thinking, man, this doesn't make sense. God says, no, I'm doing this for your good. Because in the middle of that, here's the verse that God literally explains to them and explaining what he's doing and why he's doing all this. Joshua 3.10. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you. If you don't face things that are impossible in your life, you're never going to know that God does the impossible. Think about that. God will literally bring you to spots in your life that say, I cannot do this. And God says, then let me take over. In the midst of this, it wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for your good. He realized at the same time that you're going through, the same time that I was going through that with my sister and dealing with all this, it wasn't just for their good, but the next thing that they were about to do was face Jericho. God's going to say, I'll show you that I'm faithful in this. I'll be faithful in the other things. More obstacles are coming. Guys, it's not over. Life is filled with obstacles, but I'll tell you, God is constantly going before us. And they turn around and said, man, what are you going to do? Walk around the city. Is that going to do anything? Well, I'll tell you what, God split it open then. He'll do it again. 
And the thing is, if we never learn to go through obstacles, we'll never experience God doing bigger and greater things on the road. The next generation will never experience God do bigger and greater things on the road. But let me read one last verse. Then it was for the glory of God. Look up. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the other side of Jordan westward, the king of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel till they were passed over, that their hearts melted. They were like, oh man. All of them around were standing there saying, something's going on with their God. It's time we do things. We step out in faith in the middle of our obstacles for the world around us to say, I don't know who Jesus is, but I know he's working at Fellowship Baptist Church. I've seen so-and-so go through a trial and a tribulation, an obstacle that was way bigger. And I saw God do something wonderful in their life. When will the next generation ever rise up and say, I want that God, if they're never seeing our God do anything? Our God's not dead. Our God is alive. And you sit there and say, it's all about seeing God do big. That's what he said. Tomorrow I'm going to do something wonderful. Tomorrow I'm going, to, I'm going to let the world see that I am working in the middle of it. And it started all the way back there when God got a hold of their individual hearts and said, get your heart right. Sanctify yourselves. Get the garbage out, the negativity out, the doubting out. And we say, God, I'm going to follow you. I don't know where you're going, and this doesn't make sense at all. And God says, I'm not taking you this way before. You better be careful. Keep your eyes on me. And in the middle of that, they pass by the presence of God holding back the obstacle for them to get to the other side. And then sometimes we get through obstacles in our lives, and you say, God, why? And God says, because I wanted to make you better, and I wanted to glorify me. God always has a reason.